0: Hi everyone, this is Dave Wright and welcome to the Player Development Project podcast. I hope you're having a great week with your players wherever you're tuning in. As always, a quick content recap from some of the most recent work we've published on playerdevelopmentproject.com. It's been a huge month in terms of practical content at PDP and over the last three weeks we've released three live sessions, which I was lucky enough to deliver with A-League club Melbourne Victory late last year. The theme of the session was defending and it's delivered with the club's under 20 group. The live session videos take you through the reason for the session, adaptations, progressions, and key points to look out for. All three practices are live on the site now. Special thanks to Drew Sherman and Grant Brebner at Melbourne Victory for their help in providing access to the facilities and players when these were filmed, and look out for more great practical content coming to the website soon. We also recently featured a long-form masterclass discussion with Mark Upton and our lead researcher at PDP, Jimmy Vaughan, on creativity and control. It was fantastic to host Mark and Jimmy, they're both brilliant thinkers and innovators in the coaching space, and this conversation will hopefully challenge you on the environments we create, organisational culture, and much more. Now today's podcast features part of our latest masterclass discussion, and this is with the head coach of Auckland Aces cricket team in New Zealand, Henrik Milan. Auckland Aces are currently the domestic one-day cricket champions and have a highly talented squad of international and domestic cricketers. In this conversation, we talk to Henrik about his experience, the nature of developing individuals within a team, the evolution of cricket technique and skill acquisition, as well as the process of supporting players to deliver their best performance. Thanks to Henrik for his time and for the full version of this conversation, head over to the website now. As always, if you're yet to sign up for PDP, you can choose from a range of membership options at playdevelopmentproject.com to suit you as an individual coach or to support your club. When you join, you'll not only get access to our enormous library of coaching content, but you'll also gain access and be able to join our Slack community where activity, conversation and engagement is increasing every week. Lastly, if you get time today, leave us a review via your podcast app and I really hope you enjoyed today's discussion. Hi everyone, my name's Dave Wright and welcome to another Player Development Project Masterclass discussion. Today I'm joined by the head coach of the Auckland Aces cricket team in New Zealand, Henrik Milan. Henrik, how are you? I'm good, Dave. How are you going? Yeah, very good, very good. Looking forward to this conversation and really pleased to have you with us. It's great to be getting some understanding from the world of cricket where developing the individual within a team is such an important focus and a topic we cover a lot. So, Henrik, before we dive into your current role and some of your experience, can you tell us a little bit about your playing career and that transition into coaching?
1: Yeah, no worries. Um, Thanks for having me, first and foremost. Um, Yeah, look, from a playing point of view, um, you know, enjoyed the... um, uh, a brief career, um, even though it has spread over a, a couple of years. Um, unfortunately, I was one of those guys who was always on the brink when international players were coming back or not coming back. So, you know, I had to find different methods and ways um, to try and get into the side, um, trying to play different roles and, and, and you know, be a different sort of player. Um, but that also, you know, exposed me to the coaching world, which, you know, I'm very grateful at this point in time. And, um, yeah, started coaching pretty young um, and, um, you know, started coaching at the age of 27 and stopped playing. So uh, yeah, I had, a, had a, an easy transition as I was still playing with a lot of my mates, but that also was a, a lot of challenges.
0: Well, as you said, it, it is a pretty young start when it comes to um, coaching cricket and then obviously working your way through to uh, domestic level cricket in New Zealand as well. I mean, so starting at that young age and transitioning out of the game as a player quite young, uh, perhaps before others would normally do it, what, what were some of the challenges you faced early on when you were heading into coaching?
1: Yeah, the main thing, um, <laughs> honestly, was just, you know, wondering whether you're actually good enough to do this. Um, and I suppose for the first couple of years, when when we had it over to New Zealand, the first couple of years was exactly that. Um, you know, trying to show people that you, you you know what you're doing versus actually doing your job. So that was, you know, probably one of the key learnings that I took over the first couple of years of, of my journey over with Stags. Um, You know, uh, from a playing perspective, um, you know, you've obviously got limited experience at a higher level, um, you know, and all of a sudden you're coaching, you know, I was coaching Jamie Har, who's played World Cups and, and opening the batting for New Zealand, you know, so you, you, but then you also think, you know, it's, it's not about me, it's about them um, and it's about finding a way to to connect to them and and, and figure out how can we make you a better player and, and, you know, that's probably the overriding philosophy around my coaching is you know, I get judged on results, unfortunately, you know, whether we, can win, we win or lose. Um, but I don't wake up in the morning worrying about winning or losing. I wake up in the morning with a fire burning about trying to get my players to be better, um, understanding the way we want to play um, and, and be able to, you know, give them the skills to change their method um, as, and, and play what's in front of them.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, just on that transition from coaching and working with younger players um, to them working with guys who have played in the international scene, How much of your own ego, I guess, had to be pushed to the side a little bit when it came to, okay, these players may have skills that they essentially don't need me to develop, but there may be a few tools that you can add to the toolbox in order to help them perform when they need to perform. I mean, how how difficult was that sort of transition and just getting an understanding of how to manage those bigger profile players and getting over it a little bit and trusting yourself to actually have an impact?
1: yeah the the key for me was um you know really focusing on building that relationship um, mm-hmm. and once you know once you build that relationship and they, they become comfortable with who you are as the person um, then you can start having those uh, tougher conversations around look you know I think we can you know maybe add a little bit here or take a little bit away here um, in terms of how you play or how that fits to uh, the role we need you to play for this team so um uh, you know, I was also blessed in the in the group that I was working with. Um, I had one or two older players, your your Kieran uh, Noema Bonnets and and your Jamie Howes, who you know mm. been playing domestic cricket for a long time in New Zealand. Um, and I was fortunate that you know we we became good friends over a period of time, and you know they really bought into the way that I was trying to do things. Um, and then I had a really young squad; the rest of them were all sort of 21, twenty one, twenty twenty one year olds. Um, so you know, trying to influence those younger guys with the backing of the older the guys in your environment is obviously a lot easier. Um, yeah, and I, like I said, I was pretty blessed to to start my my, uh, my you know overseas coaching career in that sort of fashion.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I've certainly heard a few people we've interviewed talk about connecting before correcting and that that relationship being so fundamental. I think it's a really key part of the message you're, you're talking about there. Now, just going back to your playing, you know, we all have memories of our own sporting experience, whether that's playing or coaching, and if you look back on your time as a player, whether that's a schoolboy player or whether that's sort of uh, at first-class level, do you have memories of particular coaches who had a really strong impact? And if so, what what were some of the reasons that you look back fondly on coaches who had that positive influence?
1: yeah as you move through grades well, um, into varsity or provincial degree, you obviously have a lot of people that come across your path. Um, and then definitely, I've tried to take as, as many attributes, um, you know good or bad, um, and trying to implement that into the way I go about my business. Um, I think one of the key things that you know, from a, again a philosophy point of view for me is, is trying to create that environment where we create that pot, um, and there's a lot of information that gets shared, um, but trying to make that applicable to, to what your game looks like. Um, and I think that's one of the key areas that uh, players have got to learn, you know, that they're also going to move between environments. Um, so whether it's playing for me at a, at a first class level or moving to New Zealand A or playing for the Black Caps, you know, and different people are going to give them different information, but they've got to try and bring that back to what they feel is important um, and, and how they can make that applicable to the way they need to play to enhance the, the team game plan.
0: Mm. And you touched on the New Zealand A, which is obviously, a, I guess, a feeder team into the Black Caps, the international squad, who are doing so well on the world stage at this stage in time. I mean, what's your experience working with the New Zealand A setup and, again, managing that transition of players heading towards the real performance end of the game?
1: Yeah, I've been lucky enough not to spend some time in uh, the New Zealand A program for the last two years um, in various roles, um, assistant coaching roles, which challenges me as a head coach um, to go in that environment and, and learn a different skill set. Um, but mm-hmm. I've also been head coach of that environment. And uh, yeah, I've also spent some time with the Black Caps as batting coach. So, um, you know, I've been been through the whole ranks and um, in, in just learning massively in, in, in every environment. But, you know, changing uh the player from environment to environment and, and and level to level um from an you know domestic to to an international uh exposure um again it's making sure to be really clear in terms of you know what the individual is like um and and what he wants to be like so to me it you know it comes back to what and how you know what does he need to do and how does that impact his everyday moves um mm. so you know trying to be really clear in terms of your role in the side um and not worrying too much about, you know, anything else. I mean, there's a lot of external pressures as you move up the chain, um, you know, whether it's Test championship that's coming on, on on the horizon now or World Cup um, that are every second year in T20. And, you know, these things just keep rolling. So there's always going to be those pressures just trying to make things simpler um, mm. and,
0: and simpler, but more specific to the player. Yeah. Yeah. Really interesting. Now let's talk about cricket. Obviously it's a team game and, It's one of those where I've spoke to previous or other cricket coaches and there is a challenge in the sense that cricket players are almost known sometimes for being a little bit insular and focused on themselves because it really is about executing individual skills within a team environment. So how do you go about managing and assisting in the development of individual roles within a team sport like cricket, which is, is quite unique?
1: Yeah, honestly, that's where I feel us as coaches have got the biggest impact in the cricketing environment. Um, you know, we sit together with the players and try and create that vision or the game plan. Um, you know, so you have a lot of time, people talk about the team first scenarios. So, mm. um, but you know, the players have got their own method um, and they're going to play a certain way. Uh, I feel our jobs as coaches is to make sure that we give them enough information and skill to be able to change the method according to the vision. So what what's the game telling us? What do we need? You know, if you've got a player, if it's the situation is 24, two, and you coming into bat at number three or four, you know, you're going to have a total different setup to when you come in and it's a hundred for one, you know, in, yeah. in, in terms of the score of the game. So you're going to play differently. So, you know, do the player have the the ability to change his method um, and our jobs of, of coaches is to make sure that we've, we can upskill them to be able to choose the method depending on what's in front of them. You know, you'll hear coaches uh, or sorry, players talk about, you know, oh, we've got to be more adaptable. Uh, mm. You know, we, we've got to learn quicker. So. You know, I look at all those things and, and then I look at how people prepare and, and train and they potentially do it the same way. It doesn't matter, you know, what the conditions are, who the opposition is. Um, so then I really challenge that conversation around, you know, are we learning? Are we being adaptable? Um, so, I mean, the preparation parts is really key um, for me and in, in, in creating that, that opportunity for players to drive that too um, so that they become connected to what they want to try and be like on a specific sur- surface. I'm um, mm-hmm. sorry or against a specific opposition sure
0: sure I mean the, the point around adaptability it's a debate I guess that happens a lot I know in the football coaching um, scene where people are talking about isolated technique or uh, different different forms of skill development or adaptable players and developing decision makers I mean do you use scenarios a lot when it comes to putting players under pressure at training and trying to simulate certain moments in the game
1: yeah. Um, uh, I mean, trying to learn off other codes, um, you know, mm-hmm. you obviously look at what the the soccer guys are doing or, um, you know, the, the, the block training from a golf point of view, um, mm-hmm. you know, add some constraints to it. Um, and definitely we try and create all those scenarios. One of the toughest things in cricket, obviously, to do is, you know, that accountability of, you know, training in the nets, knowing that if you out, you, you keep batting. Um, yeah. You know, so, yeah, sometimes we do add the constraints in around if you're out your and, you know, we can have a short day in terms of our preparation day, but <laughs> yeah. you know, trying, to, trying to find a way to put that pressure on them. Um, but a lot of the time, you know, we I'd I, I tear it back a level, you know, before that too, to be able to say, you know, yeah, we've got to be specific, but we also got to develop the players to be able to play different roles. You know, so sure. training to me is all about that, you know, so if you've got someone like a Lockie Ferguson, you know, who's poised uh, to, to obviously make his test debut this week, which hopefully it, it happens, but... You know, with, uh, with a new ball, he's unbelievable. Um, and mm. in, in the death period, in the T20 game, you know, he, he can hit Yorkers. But has he got the skill in the middle overs um, to still take wickets and be effective and bowl a different way? So, you know, whether it's taking pace off the ball, coming around the wickets, um, you know, just having a difference so that he can be selected or be available for selection all three blocks. And, and again, mm. you know, if I look at, you know, my, my main focus as a coach is trying to develop players with more skill. Um, to be able to play anywhere. Um, yeah. So, you know, do we challenge them in that sort of way or do we just worry about the outcome and, you know, trying to get wickets so we can win the game? I mean, that's you talk about adaptable challenges in, in coaching, you know, that that's my challenge.
0: Yeah, certainly very interesting. It sounds like the right approach. And you touched on the, uh, the idea that you'd had some experience in the Black Caps environment as a batting coach and specialist coaches are something which have been prevalent in cricket for a long time, whether that's bowling, fielding, wicket-keeping or batting and so on. A lot more sports are starting to do this. We recently interviewed Aaron Danks up at the FA, who is a specialist coach up there, has been there for a couple of years after 10 years at West Brom. And this is something that's becoming more prevalent in the football environment. And obviously, you see sports like rugby as well with specialist scrum coaches and so on. What's what's your view on the pros and cons uh, of having a diverse and specialist coaching team? What are some of the real advantages or disadvantages of that?
1: Yeah, the cricketing landscape's moving in a in an interesting direction at the moment. You know, you have all these ex-players who are obviously becoming icons or mentors and in, co- in the coaching world. Um, and I've, I honestly believe that's a good and a bad thing. Um, you know, a mm. good thing. So a pro would be the the fact that um, you know those guys have obviously got a lot of experience um, to share and 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 communicate back to a, a playing group. Um, I don't think ex-players are always the best coaches in terms of giving people the skill to be able to do that. So. I still think there's a, a massive um, opportunity for us as the workers on the ground to work together with those guys. So you know, if I go back to the three key things for me—the vision, the this, the, the method, and the skill—you know, those guys will lay out the vision. Uh, the the player will adapt his um, his um, his method, um, and mm. then us as coaches will really focus on the skill development part of things. So okay. I think there's a, a real collaboration that can take place there between you know, us as current coaches and the ex players to really drive that environment forward. Um but yeah, it's gonna be interesting in time to come, you know, with uh, with more and more T specialist T twenty competitions around the world, more and more specialist T twenty players. Um, you know, you'll you'll see that, you know, it'll become like a golf coach. Um, you know, you'll mm. get flown around between competitions, coach certain players. Those players will still be part of a a a team within the T twenty competition, but he'll have his specialist coach working on, you know, his his technique. Um, and the way he goes about his business, which in in time um, I think it 'll be at the back end of my career, probably, but you know that 'll be a, a good part of uh, you know, traveling the world but working with a couple of specific players as tennis and, and tennis uh, tennis and, and golf coaches obviously currently do.
0: Yeah it's a very interesting prediction and we'll wait and see I certainly uh, could see it happening because cricket the way it's changed so rapidly over the last 20 years in terms of multiple formats and obviously we had the advent of Cricket Max under Martin Crow years ago in New Zealand which has you know probably led to T20 as it is now so very interesting. Now Henrik you mentioned uh, you started your coaching career in New Zealand at Central Districts and touched on some of the players you'd worked with there obviously over a period of time you had a great deal of success there and you also mentioned you worked with a younger squad so what were some of the sort of key drivers behind that?
1: success yeah interesting question i think uh, you know one of the key things when i started was making sure that we lay a proper foundation of uh, fundamentals um, and what that looked like and also creating a an understanding of work ethic doesn't always relate to your success um you know we we, we did we trained differently uh, we trained probably more than than some of the other in, uh, environments but um you know and it doesn't guarantee success you still gotta go out there and, and go do your jobs um so that was, you know, a, a great part. We, the second part to that was building a, a real uh, depth in our squad. I remember my second year, we had quite a few injuries and we used probably 27 players over the season, mm. which is quite a, a large amount. We um, you you only got 15 contract players. So, you know, uh, which probably led to a, a massive part of our success at the back end of year five and year six where, um, yeah, we had, a, uh, you know, played in a lot of finals um, and, and won a couple of trophies. But, you know, we also had, uh, I think about eight players over um, that period play for New Zealand. Um, you know, which is yeah, it's nice to win trophies and you know what we get uh, judged on. But at the end of the day, that's a key part of my philosophy is trying to get players to to play at the highest level and mm. um, you know expose them to different challenges so that they when they get there they don't just play but they actually perform um, and, and do a job versus you know trying to figure out what what that looks like
0: yeah fantastic to see now you've also obviously transitioned recently to head coach of the Auckland Aces you've got talent in the squad and the likes of Colin Munro Martin Gupp, to Lockie Ferguson who you've touched on some big names who get to come back and be, be a part of that environment so what's some of the the key challenges in that role going forward because Auckland cricket's a big association traditionally been very strong and, and how does that role look for you now
1: yeah no pressure obviously uh, and <laughs> uh, no, it's uh, look it's been it's been a great challenge um like you mentioned you know it's a it's a diverse squad. We've uh, we've got you know six, seven, eight guys. who have played international cricket regularly over uh, the last two or three years, um, and we've got quite a few guys in that sort of middle block. We they're just starting to show that they've got the goods at, at first class level. And then um, as always, you can have you know in, in a big MA, which Auckland's biggest MA in New Zealand. You are uh, you're going to have some exciting young talent. So you know I've always said I, I think the wheel's turning pretty nicely for Auckland cricket. Um, they mm. were third in every format last year. The year before that, they won the one day competition. Um, so they've they've always been pretty successful. Uh, so the wheels turning pretty nicely. But how do we as an organization and as a staff, how do we grow this wheel um, a little bit bigger? And how do we make it turn faster? You know, that's, that's the key mm. questions and the challenge for us as, as staff. Um, and that's something we try and catch up quite regularly on, you know, in, in terms of making sure we're all on the same page um, and, and pushing this car in the same
0: direction. Yeah, really good. Well, I hope it goes well. Now, you've touched on some of those young players coming through. I mean, how do you go about integrating athletes from that sort of developmental space, perhaps age group squads, into that performance context, playing in men's cricket?
1: Yeah, it's it's that's one of the key challenges, isn't it? You know, and um, for me, it it comes back to a, a real understanding of being valued and and feeling engaged in in, in your environment. Um, you know to trying to create that athlete self centered uh environment where they, they they know what they're looking for um because of the conversations and the information that gets shared with them so you know we, if we've got a, a young guy coming through our environment he'll get exposed to you know like mentioning earlier we we had some uh, some scouting meetings this morning with some some net club net bowlers joining our practice um had those guys sit in in, in a meeting with Colin Monroe and, and martin Guptill, you know and um mm. And those guys talking about how they look at the opposition, what they look for, um, what they convey back to the rest of the group you know so as, as a 17, 18 year old you know that's magic um, to be sitting and, and learning from those guys and but it's also about being aware you know being clear around what your succession plan looks like. Um, I think that's been one of the biggest challenges for me coming um, after six years knowing exactly what my succession plan looks like to you know a new environment, not knowing any of these players um, and being able to put a face to a name so, you know, unfortunately, those sort of things take a bit of time. Um, but, you know, having a good support staff is also really important. Um, you know, guys that have been around the traps, especially in the Auckland environment. So, you know, you've you got to lean on those guys to to give you some information. And then over a period of time, you know, those decisions
0: will become a little bit clearer. Mm, the, the words that sort of pop into my mind as you speak about these things seems to be there's a lot of openness given the meeting and the chat between the youngsters and the experienced pros. And then obviously the trust within your staff, which is so critical, isn't it, in terms of building that environment and making sure that everybody feels valued?
1: Yeah, you know, I think there are some major learnings for me in my first two years with the Stags. Um, you know, I was, I was a 30-year-old dude who played a little bit of cricket, um, <laughs> you know, not an international name, uh, won the jackpot to get a job in New Zealand. You know, that's pretty yeah. much how I got it. So, <laughs> and, and you, you sort of put so much pressure on yourself to try and show people that you know that I can do this or I want to do this or, um, you know, we're now... I'm I'm way more um, relaxed around the way we go about our business. Um, yes, I've you know I'm, I'm pretty organized and planned person, but you know that's my blueprint in my head, and from there I can be pretty fluid and flexible around how how I want things to run, or you know whatever whatever's happening in front of me. I can I can direct the, the conversation or take away from the conversation. So um, yeah, I think it's something you learn over a period of time, and you know as as you get exposed to different environments, uh, you gotta you gotta adapt to those different environments, obviously too. You know. Um, Again, my previous life with the Stags, you know, there's not too many international cricketers, and all of a sudden, you know, I've got six or seven now sitting in mm. front of me. And so how do I get the best out of those guys? You know, thinking that Martin Gupta has been to two World Cups. You know, Colin Monroe yeah. has been number one batter at T20 in the world. You know, so how do I get? But also, how do I get them to feed that information to the next tier, so that the transition becomes easier for those guys moving up the chain? Uh, which is a nice challenge, isn't it?
0: Thanks for joining us on the Player Development Project podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at PlayerDP or find us on Facebook. Don't forget to head over to playerdevelopmentproject.com where you can sign up to our progressive coaching community and gain access to our wide variety of resources to help you in your coaching.